River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. This morning we're beginning a new teaching series that I've entitled Restore. We're going to spend the next several weeks thinking about this idea that God is in the restoration business and that ultimately is where all of history is heading. In fact, it's the great hope of our Christian faith. It's not just that, you know, God's going to take us to heaven when we die, although, you know, that's going to be pretty incredible, but that God is going to restore all of creation. That's God's promise to his children. He's going to restore all of creation to its condition before the fall, even better than its condition before the fall. When sin came into the world, it came and brought ruin and corruption. But God has begun this restorative work. And it's not just a future thing. For those who have trusted Christ, I hope before the day's over, you come to realize that it's a right now thing. That God is restoring in our lives and he has paths for restoration to be more fully experienced by all of us children. Now, I normally start a message by going to a passage of scripture, reading it, and then talking about it and using other passages of scripture to kind of support and undergird that. Um, But this morning, I'm going to begin with the support passages and lead us to our main text today. And my intent is that this would be an extremely practical message. Uh, In fact, my my goal is to equip you with a tool that you can use, introduce you to a tool, and then show you how to use that tool to partner with the restorative work that God wants to do in your life. This past week, I have become reacquainted with some tools that I have not used in a while. Um, Tuesday night when I got home, Kathy said, how about coming to the bathroom and just stand in here and listen? So I walk in the bathroom. My hearing sometimes is, is going. I, I listen to eight-track tapes too loud in my car as a teenager. Um, so uh, my hearing is not what it used to be. Um, so uh, I, I walk in the bathroom. I don't hear anything. She said, you don't hear that hissing sound like water's running? And I said, no. Um, and, and then my wife says this. Well, why don't you open that cabinet and stick your head in it? Really, honey? You know, what are you going to do? Shove me in the cabinet. What's, what's going to happen? Um, so I open the cabinet and stick my head in it, and I hear the sound. And it sounds like running water through pipes. And I say, nothing's, nothing's on. So I go out and walk around outside, you know, kind of in that area around our house. I don't really see anything. There's some water on the ground, but, you know, snow had melted and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't that big a deal. And uh, so we go shopping, come back, and hissing sound's still happening. So I go back out, and now there's kind of a flood. And what's happened is our main line into our house that I, we live on a slab. Um, our main line, the, the, somewhere in our system underneath this house, our line busted. Um, I got on, you know, like every good person, I got on YouTube and started looking up slab leaks. If, the, if your pipe under your house ever busts, do not go to YouTube. It will petrify you at what they do to fix under slab leaks. They literally bring in excavators and all these things and dig out and, and I'm thinking, what? So anyway, I go to bed pretty... Uh, disarrayed and um, in the night I think God gave me some rest and and kind of uh, 
an, a, a plan of action. When I got up in the morning, I, I thought of something to do. And so I called the office and said, I'm not going to be in today. Um, I got a problem here. So I go outside and begin digging. And I'm digging underneath our slab. And there's a pad, a concrete pad that our air condition sits on. And I got about six inches between those two pieces of concrete to dig. My, my regular shovel won't fit. I have to go buy a long-nosed skinny shovel. There's probably some technical name to it, but it's just a long-nosed skinny shovel. And um, so I start digging, and I finally am able to see our main line. And whatever's leaking is leaking past that underneath the house. And so I sit there, and I grieve, <laughs> and I, you know, those kind of things for a little bit. And then I just kind of feel like God said, you got to reroute your whole plumbing system. And so the plan was that I would cut my line, my main line right there, um, which meant every, everything in the house other than possibly the commode that was the first on the line was dead. And I was going to have to replumb the whole house, except the hot water here. I was going to have to replumb the whole house kind of thing. So anyway, I start doing this. So now I'm engaging tools that I have not used in years and re-equipping myself in order to do this. So I've got about, what, two-thirds of the house back online, honey? Uh, our kitchen's still dead, dishwasher's dead, you know, you know, we're having to eat out and that kind of stuff. But anyway, and lots of people have offered to come help, but just, you know, I, I'm kind of wide-bodied, and so only one of us can fit under, a, you know, a, a, in a cabinet at a time, because that's where most of the work's at, you know, in cabinets and stuff. And uh, so I appreciate all the offers, um, but it, it's coming back, just so you know, our house is being restored. But I, I got reacquainted to the power of a tool... And how helpful a good tool can be, especially if somebody trained you how to use it. And I had the good fortune of growing up, as many of you know, in the house of a contractor, a building contractor. So I got exposed to lots of tools, and plumbing was one of those. And so I, you know, I am the ultimate Joe the Plumber this week, just, just so you know. Uh, really, really have been. Now, um, I hope you'll see where the tool story comes into play in just a minute. But I want to, this is where I want to go. I want to give you some, a tool in a minute and show you how to use it. Before that, though, I want you to see some scriptures about God's plan of restoration. Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, I tell you the truth. At the renewal of all things. There's coming a day, Jesus says, when all things are going to be renewed. He says, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. And then he makes the promises to those who had followed him. And the outcome of those promises is, it's like whatever you lost, what, whatever you had wished for and never got, it's going to be returned to you a hundredfold. It's going to be unbelievable. Revelation chapter 21 verse 5, we see that unfolding at the end of Revelation. It says, and he who sat on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. I am waiting for that day to hear Jesus saying, I am making all things new. All my hurts, all my hang-ups, all my habits, my struggles, all going to be made new. He's going to take them all away. But we live in what's called the in-between time. In between then and now. So what, is, what do we do there? Acts chapter 3 verse 20 tells us this. That times of refreshments will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he, speaking about Jesus, must remain in heaven until the time of the final restoration of all things. As God has promised long ago. God has promised the restoration of all things. Now, this isn't just for those of us who, you know, are, are, are Christ followers. 
followers. The Bible tells us all of creation is waiting. All of creation is waiting on this. Romans chapter 8, Paul says, all of creation is waiting eagerly for that day. That future day. Because against its will, all of creation got subjected to the curse at the fall. When sin came to the world. But all of creation is eager. It's looking forward to that day when all of God's children join in glorious freedom from death and decay. We're looking forward to that great day of restoration. And it says right now we groan. Even though we have, grab this, we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. The Holy Spirit came into your life when you trusted Christ and he is a foretaste of that restoration that is ultimately going to come. He is, he is restoring in you even now. The Holy Spirit's doing that, um, working in you, uh, leading to that ultimate restoration. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he says it's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Then it says this about the Holy Spirit, the signet from God. You know what a signet is? It was on a ring that a king would wear and he would use that to seal official documents so everybody would know it's got the king's signet on it. God's word saying that the Holy Spirit is like God's signet from God. It's the first installment of what's coming. That's what the Holy Spirit is. That you should be experiencing this installment, this coming restoration. You should be experiencing that now if you're in Christ. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit is this down payment for the restoration of all things. Because he's doing that restorative work in you now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Many of you are familiar with this passage of scripture. Whoever is a believer in Christ is a what? You're a new cre creation. You're a new creature. There, there's a restoration that's taking place. It says a new way of living has come into existence. God has done all this. He has restored God's already doing this restoration. He's restored a relationship with him. A significant part of where that restoration takes place in our lives is found in a very familiar passage. Psalm chapter 23. King David writes these words. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He does what? He restores my soul. He's restoring even now. God's word, sometimes referred to as the law of God or the commands of God, God's word is the primary tool that God has given us to cooperate with him in his restorative work. It's one of the reasons we need to spend time at it. Look what Psalms 19.7 says. It says the law of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. And because of its perfection, it restores our souls. And again, this is why we need to spend time in God's Word so that we can experience the restorative work of God going in us now. Now, what I want to do in the time that remains uh, for us to be together, I want to look at practically how is God carrying out this restorative work. This is going to, for those of you who are visual learners, man, this, this set, this opened my mind up and has been very helpful for me in uh, experiencing breakthrough uh, as in my prayer life. Uh, I did not cr come up with this. A guy who mentored me named Mike Breen uh, mentored me in a huddle um, learning community for about three years was who introduced me to this, but it, it was just something that the Holy Spirit has used in, in incredible ways to help me.
Paul wrote this to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 2, he says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, some folks may hear the rest of this message today as being works-based. And I'm telling you, it's not. Uh, it's not works-based. I'm, I'm very, very clear that my salvation is rooted in God's grace and my faith. Um, but I am told to work out my salvation, not work for it. I can't work for it, but I can work it out. It's been given to me by God, and so I can work it out. I can, I can exercise it. So what, what we're going to talk about is not about working for salvation. It's about working out. Paul, to the church of Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, tells us that we, it's by grace that we have been saved through faith. It's not anything we did. It's not any kind of works at all. It's only the work of God so that nobody can boast. You can't boast about working. And that verse God tells me a couple of things. First thing it tells me is that it's all about God's grace. If it wasn't for God's grace, we'd all be toast. But because of God's grace, I can walk with God. Now here's one of the things that I want you to be, grab hold of. Grace may be opposed to works for salvation, but grace is not opposed to cooperative, obedient effort. God wants us to put forth effort to cooperate with him and live obediently in his presence so that we can experience the fullness of the salvation that God has planned for us and is working out of us to restore us so that we can engage in cooperative restoration that God's doing. And so what I want us to do is I want us to take the rest of this time to kind of walk through that. Just a couple more verses just to help you get ready about this. And this is going to be our anchor verse for, for today. Paul, uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, tells about a time he was praying. And he prayed this prayer three times in 2 Corinthians 12, 8. And he says that he prayed it to the Lord said that he prayed it to the Lord. And this is what he prayed. He said, um, he, he said, God, let this pass from me. And we don't know what the struggle was specifically, but he just said, God, would you let this pass from me? And 2 Corinthians 12, 9, here was, here was the response he got. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my affirmities or another, some translations say my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How many of you currently have with you or maybe have ever owned what's called a red letter edition Bible? Anybody had a red letter edition? What are those red letters signify? Those were the actual words of Jesus. Okay? Those were the recorded actual words of Jesus. In most of Paul's writings, there are no red letters. Here, however... If you have a red letter edition Bible and you open it to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9, that passage that says, for my grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made perfect in weakness, Paul heard that directly from Jesus. Paul heard Jesus tell him those words, that this, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Jesus says to Paul, there are weaknesses in your life, but I'm doing my best work there. Jesus says to Paul, my strength is being perfected in where you're weak. He's saying, Paul, your weakness is like a, like a container, man. It can be a container for my strength to come out. That's not only true for Paul, that's true for every follower of Jesus Christ. 
Every follower of Jesus Christ. So how does this play out? Well, that's what I want us to spend the rest of our time thinking about a little bit today. Okay? And we're going to do this using high technology. We're going to use paper and marker. And they're going to try to put it up on the screen. I'm moving this a little bit because it was a little dark in the first service. So we're going to see um, if this gets better in this service. If you have your worksheet, um, you may want to get that out. On your worksheet today, um, you're going to see a grid that looks something like this. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and confess to you that I'm always petrified when I start to do this in front of a large crowd that I'm going to spell a word wrong. So, Jesus said his grace was sufficient for me, so I'm asking for a little grace today. And you just need to know my writing is horrific, by the way. But I want to start out with this passage from 2 Corinthians 12 and talk about weakness and strength for a minute, okay? Jesus said that in our weakness... His strength is perfected. Okay? Now you've already got that on your grid, I know. But in, 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 in our weakness, his strength is perfected. That language, weakness and strength, can be found in the business community. The secular business community uses this language of weakness and strength. Okay? Uses this language of weakness and strength in something that's called a SWAT analysis. A SWOT analysis. And so what I want to do is I want to steal from the business community a moment this SWOT analysis and then I'm going to come back and overlay some kingdom principles, some biblical language on top of that. So bear with me for a minute, okay? So in, in the SWOT analysis there's this idea that you know, I have, I have weakness and then there, there is also strength. Now in the SWOT analysis businesses understand that there's oftentimes threats to their business. But there's also op oftentimes opportunities. Okay? Oftentimes businesses have opportunities to see things happen. And so they use this as a SWOT analysis to help them analyze, you know, kind of how business is going and, and what you can do. Now again, I didn't make this up. Somebody taught this to me. But here's, here's kind of the deal. If you are in business and you have an opportunity in an area of your strength, most, most of the time you should be experiencing success. So this creates the, the success quadrant. Okay? You should, for instance, if, you're a, if, if you are a salesperson and you have a, a product that most everybody wants and you're a pretty decent salesperson, you ought to experience some success there. Okay? You should, should experience some, you should expect to, to experience some, some reasonable success. Okay? In this quadrant, when a strength, a personal strength that you have or a business strength is met with a threat, what you experience down here is battle. Battle, or sometimes some people call it struggle, but I want to use the word battle, okay? You, you'll experience battle. For instance, let's use that same analogy for a minute. Let's say that you have this strength, you're a great salesman, um, but somebody else comes along who's going to sell the same product who's stronger at it than you. Now, you're, you're going to battle here. Okay, you're going to want to battle here. You're not going to give up. You want to try to push back into success. For instance, um, national championship uh, last week. Uh, Alabama was down. They were threatened. They were threatened. 
But they believed in their strengths. Okay? They believed in their strengths. So they battled back through to what? To success. They moved out of this threat strength quadrant back into success. And so you and I, life, life is like that. We'll experience battle. There'll be times when things that threaten you, like busted water pipes, you know, will, will come and play against your, you know, your strength. So now I'm battling. Okay, I'm battling the forces of water in my house. Okay, so that, that's, that's a, a, a quadrant there. Then there is this idea of what happens when um, I experience weakness, but I'm, I have an opportunity out in front of me. Okay, and in this quadrant, this is the quadrant notice frustration. Okay, frustration. It's when you have an opportunity, but there, there's a weakness maybe in your organization or, or in your life. I'm going to use a passage of scripture to reference this. In Luke chapter 10, um, in verse 2, Jesus makes this statement to his disciples. He says, the harvest is plentiful, opportunity, but the workers were what? Few. Weakness. Great opportunity, but now there's a weakness here. Okay, so there was this frustration that was going on uh, in that moment. Okay, now I want to turn to, to this quadrant where weakness and threat meet. And this is where most of us experience failure. This is, this is where most of us experience failure in life is when a threat hits our weakness. Okay, when a threat hits our weakness. This is where most of us find our lives uh, in failure. It's where we're likely to experience the most, most failure. An example of this would be um, someone struggling uh, that had a, a hang-up, a, a habit of alcoholism, and they had been battling successfully um, kind of through that. Um, but uh, they go to a party, New Year's Eve party. And they're offered a drink, and they fail. I just prayed with a lady right after uh, the first service who that described her fiancé. And he's in failure right now. It's the way he sees his life, that he's described it. A threat encountered his weakness, and he's struggling right now. And what, we're, what we prayed for was him to move back to success, either through frustration or through battle. But we'll talk about what that looks like in a minute. But do you understand where failure comes in? When a, a threat hits a weakness, we begin to uh, experience uh, this, this kind of sense of failure. Now, the next thing I, I want to do is I want to take and I want to overlay some kingdom words, some biblical words on this uh, for us to use as we think about God giving us some things. Now, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, Paul said that he heard from Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. At the top of your worksheet, if you have your worksheet, I gave you both the New King James translation, but I also gave you the ESV. Because this word here, strength, can also be translated power. And that's the word that I want us to think mostly about. From a kingdom, uh, biblical perspective is this word power. This is in the scriptures mostly when Jesus is using that word that gets translated here. Sometimes power, sometimes strength. Jesus is mostly using the word power. Okay? So I want us to, to think in terms uh, of, of using this word power because that's another way uh, to, to translate it and they can be used interchangeably. So I want you to think about power. Jesus says, my power is perfected in, in your weakness. Now I want us to think about another word and it's this word opportunity up here. In biblical language, the word that I want us to think about using today is authority. Authority. And the reason that I say that is in, in the kingdom, 
In God's kingdom economy, God doesn't just give us opportunities. He gives us authority to act when the opportunity is present. He gives his children authority to act. Um, I want to use a, a kind of a biblical illustration to do this. Oftentimes in scripture, you'll see authority being described with what I'll call picture language of a door or a key or a gate. These are opportunities. These are kingdom pathways. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And through the, using those keys, whatever you bind on earth will be bound. Whatever you set loose will be set loose. Keys to the... It's authority. It's an opportunity to do something. It's authority. Um, in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13, Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate. He said, this is a pathway. This is an opportunity. Go, go this way. It's a kingdom authority kind of thing. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus says, Be stand, Behold, I stand at the what? The door and knock. If you open the door, it's this idea, I'll give you authority if you'll, if you'll use this door. Uh, opportunity is like a pathway towards something. In the kingdom of God, in God's economy, for his children, it always comes along with authority. Now, what I want to do is I want to change this terminology from success in a spiritual community. I want us to use the word breakthrough. Okay, I want us to think about kingdom breakthrough. What that looks like for, for God's people. And uh, somebody say, well, why, why do you want to make that change? Because the kingdom of God is defined by God's power and authority. All throughout scripture, you're going to see those two things playing together, working together. God's, God's authority and God's power are being given to his people. Now, these verses from here on out are not going to come up because they're going to keep this live. So I'm going to give you some more scripture. You may want to write them down and go back and look them up. In Matthew chapter 10 verse 1, Matthew 10 verse 1, I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. It said this, Jesus summoned his twelve together and gave them power and authority over unclean spirits to drive them out, to cure all kinds of diseases and all kinds of weaknesses and infirmity. So Jesus is dealing with the weakness thing. And he's given his disciples both authority and power. He's giving them both of those. Now, when you and I think of, of authority and power, I hope some of you remember another drawing. I'm going to turn the page and do something that uh, I hadn't really planned to do until this morning. But I, I'm hoping this will be a little bit of a, ref, a refresher for some of you. Because this is where we understand how we access power and authority. We use something around here to teach with from time to time called... The, the, I call it the Covenant and Kingdom Diamond. Okay? Covenant and Kingdom Diamond. And what the Covenant and Kingdom Diamond is about is simply this. All throughout Scripture, you're going to see the idea of biblical covenant, which means relationship to God coming up. You're also going to see kingdom, which has to do with our responsibility to God our King. Jesus told us to think relationally when we think of God. We need to think of Him as Father. God is our Father does a couple of things for us. The first thing that God does is God gives us, as our Father, He gives us our identity as His children. And it is out of his, that identity that we learn obedience. We learn to obey. Here's the struggle most Christians have, and they spend most of their life doing this. They try to obey their way into a relationship try to obey their way into the... They, they, try to, they try to act good enough 
Be good enough so that they can call God their father. You will never succeed that way. You will waste your life. What you have to do is understand that God determined that you're his child when you came to him by faith. He gives you your identity as his child. And out of that, you can finally begin to obey. Jesus also helps us come to understand that there's a kingdom. And where there's a kingdom, there's a king. And God your father is king of everything. And in his, out of his kingliness, out of his kingdom, he does this. He gives us first, to his children, he gives us authority. Now authority has a relational component. Authority interacts with our identity. There's a symbiotic relationship between the authority of Jesus and our relationship with him. If you don't have an identified relationship with Jesus, you will never receive authority from him. You will never walk out of the authority that he's given you only through your identity uh, with God as your father. And it's out of this authority that God's power gets released. That's how God's power gets released. And there's a symbiotic relationship between God's power and our obedience. In other words, you need this power to live obediently. And that comes from understanding that God your father is king. So when we think about the kingdom and power and authority back over here on our SWOT analysis, we've got to understand that it's rooted in knowing who God is as our Father and, and being captured by that. It's, it's about the covenant relationship. It's about the kingdom, our responsibility. We, we've got to grab hold of that. Now, how do I move from frustration to breakthrough? How do I move from battle to breakthrough? How do I move from failure to breakthrough? Well, the first thing I need to do is I need to begin identifying which quadrant, whatever my life issue that I'm struggling with is in. Where am I at on this grid? What's going on here? If I want to move from frustration to a place of kingdom breakthrough, what do I need more of? If I want to move from frustration to breakthrough, what am I moving towards? Towards power. If I want to move from frustration into spiritual breakthrough, what I need is God's power released in my life. I need the power of God released in my life. I referenced Luke chapter 10 a few moments ago where Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. What did he tell his disciples to do next? What did he tell them? Pray. He, he didn't tell them, get busy sharing your faith. He started by saying, pray. You've got to have the power of God released in frustration. When there's a weakness and an opportunity and you're frustrated, in order to move into breakthrough, you have to access the power of God. You can't do it on your own strength. You can't ramp up enough training. You've you got to go to God. You've got to have his power released in your life. See, that, that's one of the reasons Paul said, Paul quit praying, will you take this weakness away? Paul started saying, I'm going to boast in my weakness. I'm going to get excited about my weakness because my weakness now becomes this container for the power of God to be released in my life. Now, I need to give you a warning here. It is easy for legalism, the trap of legalism, to begin to, to, to move in. Okay? And here's how it happens when you're thinking about moving into God's power. 
Oftentimes, we think, I got to clean up my weaknesses in order to get God's power. Does the scripture teach that? That I have to do that first? No. The scripture says, his power is what in my weakness? It's made perfect. It doesn't say, he didn't say clean up the mess. He said, my power is going to function best when you boast in your weakness. Don't boast that you saved yourself in works. Boast in your weakness. The church should be a community of believers who struggle with our weaknesses, but we boast about them. One of the things I loved about Celebrate Recovery, still love about it, is they, they don't identify and say, hi, my name is Joe and I'm an alcoholic or whatever. They say, hi, my name is Joe. And I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And my weakness does not identify me. It just is it's a weakness. It's my struggle. Okay? See, we, we've got to come to be a community of faith where we do that in our small groups. Where we share with one another our weakness. And we do what Jesus says. We pray asking for God's power. It's the only way you're going to move out of frustration into breakthrough. Is to pray. Is to have the power of God released in our lives. In fact, it's going to be the only way you're going to experience obedience. It's going to be the only way that you can live obediently. And power is not earned through works. It's just given as an act of grace. We'll talk more about that in a couple of minutes. But I need this power to be obedient. I can't be obedient to the commands and teachings of Christ on my own strength. I just got to, I got to confess my weakness to him. I got to boast in my weakness and say, yeah, this is the truth about me. I struggle with anger. It's been a truth about me. I've told you that. So that in my weakness, God's power begins to be released. Now, I want us to think a little bit about battle. Battle is where threats come against power. This is a place where threats come against power. And I want you to think about Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, it records uh, an event from the life of Jesus. Jesus, uh, Matthew 4 tells us, Jesus is baptized... And immediately after his baptism, the heaven breaks open and says, God's voice says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And immediately, the Bible says, after that event, the Holy Spirit drives Jesus where? Out into the desert wilderness to be tempted by Satan 40 days and 40 nights. So Jesus is now driven out. He's heard the voice of God proclaim who he is. He's now been driven out and he's in a spiritual battle because Satan is coming threatening Jesus. And what is he threatening him with? Listen to how, how Satan began every temptation. Matthew chapter 4. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God... And then he gave him a task to do. He went after Jesus' identity. Remember our, our, our diamond a moment ago? He went after Jesus' identity. Folks, please grab hold of this. Every threat that comes against your soul is going to be an attack on your identity. Every threat that comes against your soul where you're going to experience battle is going to come at your identity. Who you are in Christ. This is why 
you and I need our Bibles open and we need a, a highlighter and every time you come across a verse that says in Christ or Christ in us you need to highlight that verse you need to memorize that verse you need to meditate on that verse because that's what Jesus used he used the word of God that he had just heard heavens broke open my beloved son he heard God say that's a lie that threat is a lie. And it released power. And the way that he did it was he battled through authority. Authority is about your identity. You have authority over Satan's lies. You have authority over them because of who you are in Jesus. And so if you're in this battle, the way to move to breakthrough is to live out the truth, the authority of who you are in Jesus. Does that make sense? You've got to press into your identity of who you are in Christ. This is the only thing that will move you. See, my, my identity, when I, when I hunker down, when I read, when I trust, when I believe that what Jesus says is true about me, when I believe it's true about me, you know what soars? The authority that I have in Christ gets huge. It grows exponentially. It gets, it gets, it just gets very, very large. And so Jesus is able to resist this threat because he had authority and he knew it. He knew who he was. You know, 40 days out in the desert, 40 days later, he was still living off that word from his father that said, you're beloved. If you don't hear anything else today, if you're in Christ, you are beloved. I don't care what you did last night. It makes no difference to God. If you're in Christ, you are beloved. You have authority. When you're threatened, move into that authority so that you can experience spiritual breakthrough. Boast in your weakness. Live out your identity. And you'll move towards, towards breakthrough. You, you'll, you'll begin to experience that. Now, when we think about this battle and breakthrough and authority, you know, how do we do it? Again, battle is about identity. I'm a child of the king. We just talked about that a moment ago. I, I, I can't have any more authority than God's already given me. It's available to me based on my identity. Jesus said he had all authority. And he gave it to, to us. And so here's the million dollar question today. Where... In your life, do you want to see kingdom breakthrough? Where in your life? Is it in your thought life? Is it in some behavior? A hurt maybe that you got years ago? I prayed with a young man after the first service who he was still grieving the death of his dad that was over a decade ago. He was hurt by some things. Still grieving that. But he wanted breakthrough. How do you move through that? He, he, there was this battle going on. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you're looking for spiritual breakthrough there. Maybe it's another relationship. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your parents. You're looking for breakthrough. Maybe there's a habit or a hang-up that you have not been able to shake loose. And you need the authority of God. You've been battling and you need more authority. You've got to move in your identity. You need to, to walk into this. Because it's just going to constantly be a battle. Or you're going to continuously live in frustration. You know, maybe you feel like you're being called into something. To, that God's going to give you authority, but it keeps running into your weakness. And so you constantly feel frustrated. I want to give you two more things real quickly. 
to add to your grid to help you think about how to process through this just a little more fully. Okay, just two more things to help you process just a little more fully. And, and the first one is this. We deal with our battles through grace. If you find yourself in a spiritual battle, what you need in order to begin that process of moving into breakthrough is you need the grace of God. You, you've got to have the grace of God if you want to experience extraordinary breakthrough. You're saying, but it, it's just not happening. I should be winning here. You know, I should be battling against the kingdom of darkness. Well, the answer is grace. And here's what that looks like when, when I say this. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples had just come off, well, in Luke chapter 10, they'd been sent on this mission trip. The 72 were sent out. In Luke chapter 11, they're coming back off this mission trip, and they're kind of huddling up, and they're really excited. And Jesus starts publicly attacking the scribes and Pharisees. He starts calling them all kinds of names, saying, you're a bunch of dirty dishes. You need to, all you try to do is clean the outside, not the inside. You're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. There's nothing in you but death and dying. And you can just kind of imagine the disciples saying, Jesus, these dudes could like kill you, man. You know, and we're like a, your associates, so could we get off of this? And we know that something like that was going on because by the time we get to Luke 12, Jesus begins kind of decompressing some of this because he realizes what was going on. Their, their anxiety was going up. And so he has kind of this kind of collaborative dialogue with them about anxiety and fear. He realizes they're beat up and beaten down. And so he says in Luke chapter 12, he says, Fear not, little flock. Just don't be afraid, little flock. My, my father is pleased to give you the kingdom. What's the kingdom? Authority, power. Kingdom breakthrough. My, I know it feels like a battle. I know you're frustrated, but don't worry about that. My father is pleased to give you kingdom breakthrough. My dad's going to do that for you. That's why Jesus is so emphatic in John 15 when he says, Abide in me. Without me, you can do nothing. You can't have kingdom breakthrough without grace. In the, some of you know this. In the Greek language, the word for grace is kairos. Guess what the word for gift is? Kairos. It's the same word. It's a gift from God. So when you're stuck in battle mode... This threat keeps coming even though there's a strength there. When you're stuck in battle mode, here's what you need to do. You need to look all around your life for the gifts of God. I know some of you are saying there's no way this much happened after the service, but I promise you it did. I prayed with another man right down here after the service who struggles. He, uh, well, I'm not going to go into who it is. But he, he keeps saying, I, I'm not hearing from God. He, he talked about it being a spiritual battle for him. I'm not hearing from God. I'm not getting anything from God. And so here's what I challenged him to do. To look around at the grace that God's already given him. Think about the grace he had. And one of the places I pointed out immediately was his wife, who's not normally here with him, was here with him today. That's a grace. It's a gift from God. When you are in the throw of battle and you need to move this way in the kingdom breakthrough, you got to look for the gifts that God has already given you. You need to look around at your life. I would encourage you not to do this alone. 
I would encourage you to involve people who know you well and know about your life because sometimes we have blind spots. Sometimes we don't see the grace that's right in front of us. <coughs> Excuse me. We don't see the grace right in front of us. And we need people to help point out the grace that God has already given us. The gifts that God has given us so we can move in a spiritual breakthrough. Okay, does that make sense? When you are living constantly in frustration, you don't need to be looking for grace. You need to be taking steps of faith. Faith. Faith will move you out of frustration into breakthrough. I want to give you an illustration that I think does both of these. When our church was known as Midland Park Baptist Church, we came to understand that God called us to relocate from where we were on Midland Park Road to somewhere else with more land, larger facilities so that we could do more ministry in the days ahead. And so we began praying about that. And we kept running into how expensive dirt was. Dirt was just expensive. Somewhere for 15 acres or more, they were talking two to three million dollars for dirt. Okay? And so we're praying, God, give us money, give us money. God didn't give us no money. You know what God did? God had given us a gift years before in a relationship with a little struggling church called Summit that we had come alongside of and tried to encourage. We had no idea that those people had 25 acres of land that you're sitting on right now. We didn't know that. They came to us and say, we understand that you're looking for a place to relocate. We think God wants you to have this 25 acres for $100,000. Baby, that was a gift. That was grace. And so we're excited and we're moving and we're thinking, yeah, we're going to do this. And we're going to sell our old property and, you know, start having enough money for a down payment to get the building out of the ground now that the land came so cheap. And while we're processing that, God says, nope, you're not selling them buildings. You're going to go, but you're going to stay in continuing ministering in the middle and part community. And see, we thought we would probably get a million to a million and a half for that property. It would help us get this building going. God said, nope. You're not going to do that. You're going to go and stay. That kind of became our rally cry. You're going to stay and go. And so now what sets in? Oh man, we got frustration. We thought we had a million and a half in the bank or at least a million, God. What are we going to do? And God said, you're going to walk by faith. We just had to take a step of faith. We just had to take a step of faith that God was going to provide. And today, you're sitting on the gift in the wake of faith. Because that's what God did to give us kingdom breakthrough. And that's just, that's just one illustration of how God works at bringing kingdom breakthrough in the lives of his children. If we'll, if we'll follow him... If we'll follow him out of our frustration, as we ask for his power, as we follow him out of battle into authority. Now, I haven't talked a lot about this. But here's what I want to say about this for just a moment. If you're here today, and you, you feel like your whole life is stuck in failure mode, 
that your whole life is stuck in failure mode. Here's what I want to challenge you with today. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus who gives you authority and power? Do you know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who brings all kingdom breakthrough? Do you know him personally? Because if you don't, this is your destiny. You're going to live feeling like a failure. Your, your, your life is going to revolve in this quadrant. You may cross over back and forth. You may even feel like you had a breakthrough every now and then. But when you're alone, you keep sinking back here. Even when something good happens, you just sink back here. The way to overcome that is through the power of what the scripture talks about is the blood of Christ that was shed for you. It releases a power to live life. It releases a power for you to have access to authority and power because you become a child of the living God if you by faith accept the grace that Jesus provided for you when he died in your place. That releases tremendous power. That gives you incredible authority if you will do that. And you can do that today. In fact, I want to challenge you. If this is the quadrant that you feel like you're stuck in, there'll be some people at the crosses when we dismiss in a little bit. I'll be down front. You can come and talk with us. We, we want to pray with you. We want to help you walk through that pathway to know Christ personally. But most of us, most of us in this room right now, are living somewhere else. We're, we're, we're children of the living God. But we're living somewhere else. We're, we're, we're probably in one of these quadrants. We may feel like we're failing some. But normally we're in this frustration quadrant or this battle quadrant. Or, and it depends on what area of life you want to talk about. Because you can be in both with different things. Here's the question to kind of close our time together. In your life right now, what are you living with, you know, exhausting frustration over what, what just continually frustrates you about your life? And are you moving towards power through faith? Are you seeing the power of... Because that's the movement. You may need to be praying, God, I need to increase my faith. But don't pray that prayer if you're not willing to take a step. You got to take a step somewhere at some point. And maybe if you're stuck in battle today, maybe there's something spiritually that's going on about your identity, you're struggling... You just feel stuck. You feel overwhelmed by guilt and shame. You're just beaten up by that. And what you need is you need to get into the authority of God through who you are in Christ. You need to believe the truth about what Jesus says for you. God is calling all of his children into restoration through kingdom breakthrough. That's his plan for our lives. Now, ultimately one day he's going to restore everything. But this is the pathway. Now over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about different topics and look at this restorative pathway applied to different areas of our lives. So I hope you will join us for the rest of this series. I want to pray for us right now. <clears throat> Maybe today what you need to do before you leave this place is you need to, you need to start thinking about your quadrants what your life experience is like right now. And think about 
what is that move going to look like? Do, I, do you need to be looking for the gift that you already have from God, the grace that's already available to you, and live in it? Do you need greater faith? Do you need to take a step so that you can experience spiritual breakthrough? And maybe you just need to get clarity from God today. Maybe there's some hurt or habit or hang up. Maybe there's something that's gone on in your life today and you just need to take it to the cross and say, Jesus, I'm declaring today that this battle that I'm living in, I'm trusting in your grace. I'm moving and to live in my authority because I'm a child of God and I have authority over this issue. I choose. Maybe, maybe this frustration, you just need to say, God, I'm, I'm taking a step of faith. You've been calling me, God, to move into something, and I've, I've just drugged my feet, and I won't move. I won't have that difficult conversation with somebody. I, 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 won't, I won't begin tithing and giving generously. I won't take those steps, God. But maybe today you're saying, I'm tired of the frustration. I'm tired of living with that lingering in my life, and you just want to move. Whatever that is. God wants you to know he's ready to give you kingdom breakthrough. To live life in his kingdom now. Experiencing restoration. Father, we come in these moments trusting that you are going to restore all things and that right now, here and now, in our lives today, you want to renew and you want to re begin that restorative process. We trust that, God, from your word. And we ask you now to receive our worship, God. We, we ask you to come in this moment, God. We, we come believing that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us now. And we come to celebrate that in worship as we give generously and sacrificially, as we, as we worship your holy name, Jesus. Your people come to you boasting in our weakness. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9.30 or 11 o'clock services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.